Welcome to Britt David Podcast, as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of the book of 2 Timothy, with a message entitled, Unashamed, from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Sometimes we struggle with issues of fear and timidity when we are faced with opportunities to serve the Lord. Here, in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, Paul exhorts Timothy to serve without shame, and he uses himself and Onesiphorus as good examples for Timothy to model his ministry after. Here's Pastor Tim. You know, um, sometimes I embarrass my family. I know that's hard to believe. Uh, <laughs> I finally, finally get an amen out of my family. <laughs> Usually, if I if I have to go off on a trip or something, Dina would usually just say, "Just don't do anything to embarrass us." I don't know why she says that anymore. You know, Megan, you're going to love this. Okay, you're probably not, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So when I go to a Braves game, I go when the Reds come. So I don't go to Braves games. I go to Reds games. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so Megan, I wear my Cincinnati Reds hat. I wear my Cincinnati Reds shirt. Sometimes I even wear my Cincinnati red shorts up there. I cheer when nobody else is cheering, and I boo when nobody else is booing. You know, I just am, I'm, all, I'm, a, I'm a man on an island all by myself out there. You could say for sure that when it comes to that, I'm unashamed, you know. And we typically are, aren't we? For whatever it is that we are fans of, uh, we find ourselves willing to talk about those things, um, even embarrass our loved ones through the midst of those, uh, of those different kinds of things. When it comes to Christ, however, sometimes we're, we're not quite as vocal, not quite as, uh, as forward in our expression of our, um, of our loyalties and, uh, and, and our cheering on, if you will. That's where we are tonight. In this passage where twice uh, you get to see this exhortation that Paul will give to not be ashamed. In fact, he's going to tell Timothy, do not be ashamed. And then as we get to the end, that's at the beginning of the passage, we get to the end of our passage tonight. He's going to use himself as an example and he's going to say, me, I'm not ashamed. And then in a, passage, in, a, in a section, a verse that we're not going to get to tonight, for sure, down in verse number 16, he's going to use onociferous, and he's going to say, <coughs> Sorry. Uh, that's bad for you in here. Sorry to you at home. That was, that was rough. I know you've turned your volume down now. I can feel it coming. I kept thinking, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop it. Onociferous, he tells him not to be, or he says, Onociferous is not ashamed. So, so what he's saying is, Timothy, you don't need to be ashamed. And here are some examples all around you of people who are not ashamed in their walk with Christ. Timothy kind of seems, as you read through both ver- the, the first book and the second book, seems to have a little timidity about him. And, uh, and, and, and that sort of can get misconstrued sometimes as being ashamed, you know, uh, sometimes for if people are very introverted and very quiet, you know, sometimes that gets misunderstood, you know, that they're not enthusiastic or they're not excited or they're not this or they're not that. And so Paul makes sure to tell Timothy, even in the midst of you trying to stay quiet and kind of fly below the radar, don't be ashamed of these things. 
Let's look at it together tonight. In fact, there are six different areas tonight in these verses that I want to give to you that, uh, that I think that we are to be reminded that we are not to be ashamed. The first one is this. Don't be ashamed of the cross. Don't be ashamed of the cross. And what, uh, what I don't mean by that is, well, I wear a necklace, you know, I mean, I've got, I do, I've got a little, um, I've got a little cross hanging from my mirror in my truck, you know, or I've got a bumper sticker, or I've got a window decal, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus going to the cross. I'm talking about that element of execution that Jesus goes through for us. Look at your passage, verse number eight. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Therefore, here's our, here's, our, uh, here's our verse, here's our exhortation. Therefore, do not be ashamed. And specifically, he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What is the testimony of the Lord? The testimony of the Lord is the gospel. It's Jesus on the cross, in the ground, raised from the dead. That's the gospel. And he says, that's what we're not to be ashamed of. We're not to be ashamed of that testimony. Don't be ashamed of the fact that Jesus bore your shame on that cross. The shame that you should have over your own sinfulness or your own waywardness, those are the very things that he took to the cross and that he bore on himself. He's taken that already. So he says, don't be ashamed then of the cross. It was necessary for your salvation. Don't be ashamed in this temporal life of the things that are eternal. It's it's through the cross that we have eternal life. Not to be ashamed of that. I don't have to have a cross that's all decorated up and, and fancy and nice. I'm reminded that it is the instrument of death. It is the instrument by which Jesus pays for my sins. It's a constant reminder that that's my cross. That's what I deserve. That's my sins that placed Him there. I can't be ashamed then of Him going to that cross and fulfilling that all the way out so that the testimony of the Lord is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That's why Paul would write to the Romans and tell them, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel or of the cross. Number two, don't be ashamed of your co-laborers. Don't be ashamed of your co-laborers. Look at what he says as he finishes verse number 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed of me either. You know, sometimes we can be ashamed of those that we are around. Maybe somebody is, you know, like the Reds fan at the Braves game when it comes to spiritual matters, you know. And, you know, this person maybe is more abrupt than you are. This person is louder than you are. This person is more confrontational than you are. And, and, and you kind of want to take a step back because that's not your nature. 
that God's given to you. But that's the nature that God's given to that other person, right? Not to be ashamed of that. God can use an introvert. God can use an extrovert. God can use somebody who talks all the time. And he can use somebody who hardly ever says a word. He can use anybody at any time that he wants to. And it's those different kinds of people who will reach different kinds of people. Listen, if the whole church were just like you, then what's the need for everybody else? That's why, that's why in the Bible it, it, um, it uses an analogy of the church as like a body. And he said the body has lots of different members, you know? There are eyes and nose and ears and fingers and toes and all kinds of different parts of the body. And he says if every part of the body was the same, then what's the need for the rest of the body? We're all different. So don't be ashamed of one another. It's a, it's a way also being able to say, don't be ashamed of your church. This is a great church. Nothing. This is a great, it is, it is a great church. In fact, we're going to find in the very next chapter, he's going to refer to the church as a great house. This is a great church to be a part of. I'll not be ashamed of those things, even when things don't go exactly the way that I want them to. You know, this becomes my church family. We are then co-laborers, one with another. You may work better with some than you work with others, and that's okay, you know. But I'm not to be ashamed of them. In fact, Paul will write to the Corinthian church, and he's writing about, talking about Titus and the relationship that he's had with him and conversations that he's had with Titus. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. The verse begins this way. It says, For if in anything... I have boasted to him, and the him is Titus, about you. The you is the Corinthian church. Now remember, the Corinthian church, they got some issues, don't they? I mean, there, there, are, some, there are some weird stuff that's going on in the Corinthian church. I mean, there's stuff going on in the Corinthian church that we don't even see on soap operas, you know? I mean, there are is, there is some wild things going on there. And yet, and yet Paul says this, For if in anything I have boasted to Titus about you, I am not ashamed. If he's not going to be ashamed of that Corinthian church, we don't have any reason to be ashamed of our church. Listen, next week, you're going to get those little uh, little tokens, you know, and, uh, and, and have an ability to invite people to come to Sunday school on March the 6th, High Attendance Day. You're going to pass out those tokens, you know, and, and then ask them to bring those tokens back and all that kind of stuff. Just, pack, just pass them out. Just give them, you know. You got some of those little cards that's got the, the church service things on. Just pass them out. You know, you can do that, Right? I want to invite people to come and be a part of my... If this really is then a great church, I want to invite people to come and be a part of that, right? And by the way, churches and Sunday school classes are a whole lot more fun when they're full, aren't they? Yep. So invite them. Sometimes people don't come just because they're not invited. 
Did you know that there was a study that was done a couple of years ago? Well, it's probably been five or six years ago now. That was done by the Georgia Baptist Convention at that time. Now, it's called the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. What they discovered was that Georgia Baptist, all over our state, only 2%, only 2% had invited anybody to church within the last calendar year. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine not inviting anybody to church for a whole year? Someone can say, well, yeah, I can kind of imagine that, you know. 98%. Here's the other thing. 88% said, 88% of those people who, um, who would not come to church, whatever, however they collected this data, they said 88% of the people said they would come or at least they would consider coming if somebody invited them. So you may think, well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to invite them because they're not going to come. Don't say no for people. You know, we tell that to our children all the time. Don't. Don't say no for people. They can say no all by themselves. But if you never give them a chance to come to church, they're not coming, right? So invite them. Use your little tokens, use your cards, use your mouth, use your dollar, I don't know, whatever you got to use, do something. Don't be ashamed of your co-laborers. Number three, let me give you this one. Don't be ashamed of your own conversion, don't be ashamed of your own conversion. Verse number nine, he picks it up at, at the end of that. You know, he's talking, um, you know what? I didn't even get to finish verse number eight, did I? Nor me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Let me go back just a minute. We'll, we'll come back to this third point in a second. Because I wanted to say this. How do you show that you're not ashamed of your co-laborers? I got off on inviting people to church, and I forgot about this part. You know, how, do you, how do you show that? Well, what Paul says is this. Don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Get in there with them. You know, if you're not going to be ashamed of your coworkers, then get in there and work with them. If you're not going to be ashamed of your church family, get in there with them. I think this has specifically some great points of application for our teenagers. Because they go to school, and sometimes being in school and being a Christian ain't the cool thing to be or to do. And so when you find little Johnny Christian who's standing firm on his convictions, you know, he prays at lunchtime, he, he takes his Bible with him. He talks about the Lord. He invites people to church, you know, and all these other little chumps that are in school with him, you know, make fun of him, ridicule him, you know, push him around, knock his books out of his hand, you know, whatever it is that they're doing to the little poor Johnny Christian, you know. Sometimes we, as fellow Christians, even sometimes as the fellow going to church together, Christians. We won't take up for them. You know, we just, we just let them suffer all by themselves. Paul said, don't be ashamed of me. I am the Lord's prisoner. Get in here and suffer with me. Boy, that's a good invitation, isn't it? Don't use that, by the way, when you pass out that coin. 
get in here and suffer with the rest of us, you know. <laughs> Just don't be ashamed of them, all right? All right, now we're ready for number three. Don't be ashamed of your conversion. Now we're going on to verse number eight. So he's been talking about uh, the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And he says this, the power of God, God being the who that he mentions in verse number nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. When did your salvation, when did your conversion experience start? For me, it wasn't when I was 17, was it? It was before the foundation of the world. And you know, I look back on that now and get to read it in the Scriptures. Before God ever founded anything, He knew me. Before He ever spoke anything into existence... He loved me. Before any world was even here, He had already determined that He would die for me. Before anything, He already knew you. He knew everything about you and He saved you. That's what it says at the beginning of the verse. He has saved you in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're so wonderful? No. Because you're such a good worker? No. Why? He says, it's not according to our works. It's not according to our worth as we looked at this morning with that centurion. It's not about that, is it? It's about his purpose. It's about his grace. He has saved you so that you might be a trophy of his grace. So don't be ashamed of your conversion. Let me ask you this. How many people do you think know your story? Know your testimony of your, of your salvation? Do your kids know it? Your grandkids, do they, do they know it? Do they know your story? Could they, you could recite my story, couldn't you? How old was I when I got saved? Where was I? Y'all know because I tell you all the time, right? That's, that's the same reason that your kids ought to know. It's the same reason that your grandkids ought to know. Because you tell them. I, I think one of the most difficult issues about pastoring and funerals is when you really just don't know. You know? You don't know their story. You never heard their story. You never heard them talk about their story. You don't know how old they were. You don't know what their circumstances were. You just don't know. Who else is going to tell them? You know, that's you. That is your story. The best way for you not to be ashamed of your conversion is to tell people. Now, you may be, I've heard Dina say before, she'd say, I don't have a good testimony. You know, I don't have a good testimony because I was saved when nine years old in vacation Bible school. I never drank, never smoked, never did drugs, never, you know, I married the wrong man. But, you know, other than that, you know, I've lived a good, good life. You know, 
She didn't do anything. She's not got a testimony, certainly, that, that churches would pick up and say, hey, would you come speak to our church? You know, I got saved when I was nine years old at Vacation Bible School. Let's go home. <laughs> you know? It's not, the, it's not the dramatic, is it? But man, how I wish I'd gotten saved when I was nine years old. Think about all the stuff that you would have missed out on. Think about all the stuff that you did miss out on. Just simply by waiting. Listen, whatever your story is, it's a good story. It's your testimony. There is no such thing as a bad testimony. None. If it's true and it's accurate, there is no such thing as a bad testimony. And people need to hear it. Don't be ashamed of your conversion. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.